This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. First and Last by Hilaire Belloc Chapter 19 Normandy and the Normans There is no understanding a country unless one gets to know the nature of its subunits. In some way not easy to comprehend, impossible to define, and yet very manifest, each of the great national organisms of which Christendom is built up is itself a body of many regions whose differences and interactions endow it with a corporate life. No one could understand the past of England who did not grasp the local genius of the counties, Lancashire, cut off eastward by the Pennines, southward by the Belt of Marsh, with no natural entry save by the gate of Stockport, Sussex, which was and is a bishopric and a kingdom, Kent, Devon, and East Anglian Mears. No one could, or does, understand modern England who does not see its subunits to have become by now the great industrial towns, or who failed to seize the spirit of each group of such towns, with London lying isolated in the south, a negative to the rest. France is built of such subunits. It is the peculiarity of French development that these are not small territories, mainly of an average extent, with government answerable in a long day's ride to one centre, such as most English counties are, nor city-states, such as form the piles upon which the structure of Italy has been raised, nor kingdoms, such as coalesce to reform the Spanish people, but provinces, differing greatly in area from little plains enclosed, like the Roussillon, to great stretches of landscape succeeding landscape, like the Bourbonnais or the Perigord. The real continuity with an immemorial past which inspires all Gaelic things is discoverable in this arrangement of Gaul. At the first glance one might imagine a French province to be a chance growth of the feudal ties of the Middle Ages. A further effort of scholarship will prove it essentially Roman. An intimate acquaintance with its customs and with the sight of its strongholds coupled with a comparison of the most recent and most fruitful hypotheses of historians, will convince you that it is earlier than the Roman conquest. It is tribal, or the home of a group of cognate tribes, and its roots are lost in prehistory. So it is with Normandy. This vast territory, larger, I think, than all North England, from the Humber to the Chavoy, and from Chester to the Solway, has never formed the nation. It is typical of the national idea in France that Normandy should have held of the political center of the country, probably since the first Gaelic confederations were formed, certainly since the organization of the empire. It is equally typical of the local life of a French province that, thus dependent, Normandy should have strictly preserved its manner and its spirit, and should have readily made war upon the crown and resisted, as it still resists and will perhaps forever, the centralizing forces of the national temper. If you will travel, day after day and afoot, westward across the length of Normandy, you will have, if you are a good walker, a fortnight's task ahead of you, even if you are walking for a wager, a week's, 
it is the best way in which to possess the knowledge of that great land and my advice would be to come in from the picards over the bridge of omeo across the little river brezel which is the boundary of normandy to the east and to go out by way of pontorson there crossing upon brittany over the little river Cosnon, which is the boundary of normandy upon the west and beyond which lie the bretons in this way will you be best acquainted with the sharp differentiation of the french provinces passing into normandy from picardy brick-built horse-breeding and slow passing out of normandy into the desolation and dreams of brittany and having known between the one and the other the chalk streams the day-long beechen forests the valley pastures and the flamboyant churches of the normans you will do well to go by neuchatel where the cheese is made and by rouen then by lysot de Falay, where the conqueror was born and thence by vive to avranches and to the breton border taking care to choose the forests between one town and another for your road since these many and deep woods much wider than any we know in england are in great part the soul of the country by this itinerary you will not have taken all you should into view you will not have touched the coast nor seen how normandy is based upon the sea and you will not have known the cotentin which is a little state of its own and is the quadrilateral which normandy thrusts forth into the channel if you have the leisure therefore return by the north pass through Cotensis and Valons to Cherbourg, thence through Caen and Bayeux to the crossing of Seine at Honfleur, then on again by the chalk islands and edges of the cliffs until you reach O upon Bresley again. In such a double journey the characteristic of the whole will be revealed, and if you have studied the past of the place before starting, you will find your journey full. Avranches, Cotensis, Lesseux, Bayeux, Rouen, are not chance sites. Their great churches marked the bishoprics. The bishoprics, in turn, were the administrative centers of Rome, and Rome chose them because they were the strongholds of the sacred cities, each of a Gallic tribe. The wealth of the valleys permitted everywhere that astonishing richness of detail which marks the stonework in village after village. The connection with England, especially the last connection under Henry V, explains the innumerable churches splendid even in hamlets as are our own the bresley and the cousnon those little streams are boundaries not of the last few centuries but of a time beyond view the romans found them so diocletian made them limits of the second lioness logdenesis secunda which was the last roman name of the province here and there near the west especially you will discover names which recall the chief adventure of normandy the accident which baptized it with its christian name the landing of the scandinavian pirates the thousandth anniversary of which is now being celebrated they came we cannot tell in what numbers some thousands and harried the land the old policy of the empire the policy already seven hundred years old was had recourse to the barbarians were granted settlement inheritance marriage and partnership with the lords of the villa their chief was permitted to hold local government to tax and to levy men as the administrator of the whole province but there followed something which wherever else the experiment had been tried had not followed 
something of a new race of rose. In Burgundy, in the northeast, in Visigothic Aquitaine, the slight admixture of a foreign blood had not changed the people. It was absorbed. The slight admixture, therefore, so open to natural influence, did change the Gallo-Romans of the second lioness. Few as the newcomers may have been in number, the new element transformed the mass, and when a century had permitted the Union to work and settle, the great soldiers who founded us appeared. The Norman lords ordered, surveyed, codified, and ruled. They let Europe into England. They organized Sicily. They confirmed the new papacy. They were the framework of the Crusades. The phenomenon was brief. It lasted little more than a hundred years. But it transformed Europe and launched the Middle Ages. When it had passed, Normandy stood confirmed for centuries and is still confirmed in a character of its own. No longer adventurous, but mercantile, apt, of a resisting courage, sober in thought, leaning upon tradition, not imperially, but domestically strong, the country of Corneille and of Malcherbes, a reflection of that spirit in letters, the conservative body of today, for in our generation that is the mark of Normandy. And in arms, the recruitment to which Napoleon addressed his short and famous order that the Normans that day should do their duty. The end of chapter 19